Welcome to our Ask the Expert call. Now, without any further delay, I'd like to introduce today's host, David Molman with Align Technology. David, you have the floor. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, Case Monitoring, Pearls to Keep Your Invisalign Cases on Track with Dr. Bill Kotman. You will learn two CE hours for attending today's program, and you will receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificate at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign doctor site account. Please allow two to four weeks for CE hours to appear on your account. Please note you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you'll have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance if we're unable to answer everyone's questions since our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign doctor site, where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Dr. Bill Kotteman. Dr. Bill Kotteman reached the level of an Invisalign Elite Advantage provider in 2007 and has been treating Invisalign patients since 2000 as a private practice in Minneapolis, St. Paul. He attended the University of Iowa College of Dentistry, followed by the University of Minnesota, where he attained, obtained his master's degree and certificate in orthodontics. Dr. Kotteman is a diplomat with the American Board of Orthodontics and holds two patents related to aesthetic orthodontic wires. He's been in private practice since 1978 in Minneapolis-St. Paul, Minnesota area, where he currently practices with his two sons. So without further delay, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Kotteman. Dr. Kotteman, you now have the floor. Thank you very much, David, and, and good morning and afternoon to everyone, depending on your uh, time zone. Uh, today, I want to talk about how we can get our teeth to stay on track or to be honest, ideally keep them from getting off track in the first place. So as we begin, I want everyone to know that these opinions that I'm expressing are mine and not aligned technologies. I want to start with an important prologue, and, and that is what I want in my ClinCheck. Uh, my, my goal to have the finish come out on time and right is achieved by two ways. One, and I think the most important, is the ClinCheck, and then number two is to get teeth back on track that do fall away during the course of treatment. So first of all, let's talk about what I consider the primary way to avoid refinements. And for me, that's overcorrections and overtreatments. Two terms that have been both confusing and argued about over many years. And, and finally, there is common agreement and common ground on what they mean and, and when you can use them. Uh, and so the key is let's build them into our, our ClinCheck. Before I go there, just to talk about the philosophy of overcorrections. That's been around for a long time. Uh, in fact, I love this cover article from the Journal of Clinical Orthodontics 29 years ago. And doesn't that look like a movie uh, that you might send your patient to show them their ClinCheck? And this was actually an article by Bjorn Zackerson, and he really uh, is the one who coined the term overcorrections, specifically 11 tenths overcorrections. And to Bjorn, that meant that if you slightly overcorrect a tooth, I, in other words, if a tooth's a little lingual to begin with, if there's any relapse, is going to relapse toward an ideal position rather than away from it. So to me, that makes a lot of sense to make sure that we're absolutely going to get where we want to get when we treat our fixed cases. Now, the other reason that's a little more subtle that we do overcorrections and overtreatments in our fixed cases has to do with the system itself. We all have uh, our pet prescription, I think, that we've developed over the years in what we like to see uh, in a finished case as far as how the torque and tip and angulation works out, and we've adopted a bracket system to achieve that. And so let's just say you follow the Alexander discipline in your setup. So by definition, you're going to have 14 degrees of torque in an upper central bracket. Well, are we ever going to see 14 degrees of torque at the root of the tooth? And we all know the answer to that is no. There has to be a lot of slop in the system. You, you need a gap to get the wire in and out of the bracket. There's going to be fight back from the transeptal fibers from the PDL. And so at best, we are going to achieve about 20% 
of whatever our prescription is. And, and many studies have shown that. Another way of saying that is in our 14 degree torque bracket, we might be lucky to see 11 degrees expressed at the root. Invisalign is a much tighter system. We have less play, less slop, but still we're never going to see that last aligner express. In other words, if there's 20 aligners in a system, we're not going to see 20 in the mouth. We'll be closer. We'll see 18 or 19 expressed, but we're not going to see the case look just like 20. So as I tell my patients when we do our setups, we need to go beyond perfect to get to perfect when we set up a case. And I've learned that if I give the technicians some precise numbers where I'm setting up my case, I like what I see. And so uh, a rotation, if a tooth rotated measly in to begin with, I want to rotate it measly out, that's going to be a five degree overcorrection. An in and out, 0.2 millimeters. Tip, the tooth tipped measly, I want to tip it distally by 10 degrees. By definition, overcorrections happen at the end of treatment. In that little section of the last three aligners that are usually indicated in tan and brown bars, uh, typically three stages. Now, the other issue that we need to address, though, is over-treatments. Overbite, much harder beast to tame. If we start with a deep bite and we're opening it up, I want to over-treat that by two millimeters. In other, way, in other words, uh, what I mean by that is that if we finish a case uh, looking at the ClinCheck, we're going to see a deeper bite by two millimeters in the mouth. Torque, the same thing. If we have lingually tipped teeth, we want to lately crown torque them by 15 degrees in the course of treatment. Now let me illustrate that to hopefully make some more sense out of how we play these out. When I submit uh, my instructions now in my treatment form, when I first send in my case, I want to list it out in a simple bullet point format, which is much easier for the technician to understand. So first of all, I am going to talk about the setup of the case, the overtreatments. So let's take a hypothetical patient, an adult, female, a narrow arch with a crossbite tendency. So I might say, give me a broad arch form. Expand the upper molars a millimeter and a half beyond ideal. Let's also say now she has a deep bite. We want to open it up, uh, but we don't want to over-intrude her upper incisors. So I might say, set the overbite to 0 0.5 millimeters at the centrals by intruding the upper anteriors 30%, lowers 70. Let's just take this apart a minute. Why did I say 0 0.5 millimeters? In Dawson's book on an occlusion, he's described an ideal overbite to be two to two and a half millimeter. So if I subtract my two millimeters of overtreatment from 2.5, I end up with 0 0.5 at the ones. The 3070, as you see here, is just I want to intrude my lower anteriors a little bit more than my upper anteriors, so I can describe that in my special instructions. Now let's say also that the uh, patient's got some lingually tipped upper incisors. I might say maybe the crown torque them uh, 12 degrees beyond ideal. By describing these movements in this fashion, these are over uh, treatments. They're going to happen from the very first aligner through the normal staging. Now I come to my overcorrections and I'm going to list them out one arch at a time, tooth by tooth. Go down to the lower arch, tooth by tooth. By giving the technician this kind of bullet point format, he can make the change on the case, check it off his list, and move on to the next one. And I've only been doing this for the last three years or so, but I found much, much better communication and much fewer back and forths with my technician when I do that. So another point to talk about, too, is how are we going to make sure the teeth keep moving? And one thing that we want to do as the treatment starts is we absolutely want to check for a tight contact at each appointment.
as good as the software is and, and has become, there still is a limit in detecting collisions in between teeth during treatment. And sometimes those collisions can add up to a significantly tight contact, which therefore means friction, means the teeth are not going to track. And so we check for those tight contacts at every appointment. And any tooth that has movement programmed, regardless of whether there's IPR or not called for, needs to have a loose contact. And the best way to check for that is actually not by using dental floss, but by using a finishing strip. The center portion of the finishing strip uh, that, that does not have the abrasive is actually thinner than dental floss. So if that can pass up and down smoothly, you've got a great test for how tight the contact is. If you come across a tight contact, then you're already set to go and you can just slide the strip back and forth and, and open up that contact until it's nice and free. And so this is an absolute part of our routine that's on our bracket tray cover when we sit down to look at a new patient. Okay, let's continue then with another point, and that is, I, as I'm going to describe some cases here, I really like to finish with the Vera retainers. They can be made ahead of time at a, a precise point of overcorrection, and they have a little extra oomph, very scientific term there, for final detailing. And that's become important with uh, SmartTrack. SmartTrack is a much better material when it comes to applying uh, continuous pressure on teeth, but we're now discovering a, more of a phenomena in uh, liner lag. In other words, the aligners are fitting, but the teeth still haven't quite caught up to the point in the ClinCheck where they should be. And that's specifically noticed in overbite and torque, and we'll look at that. I also am only going to use optimized or beveled attachments in my treatments. Uh, for me, they have much more control. The, the square brick attachments for me can only cause problem if the aligners don't fit perfectly. So let's, let's take those principles and, and look at our first case. Tyler, who's a 17-year-old male, uh, as we can see here uh, in our problem list, he's had previous orthodontics. He's got a posterior cross bite, an anterior open bite, and a tongue thrust. So a pretty challenging problem list uh, potentially as far as what we want to correct. And we can see when we look at them, yes, in fact, uh, we do actually have almost a bilateral posterior cross bite, quite a bit of an open bite, some pretty narrow buccal corridors. Non-remarkable pan. When we look at his ceph, we can see the, the posterior open bite there as well. The uh, inner incisal angle looks pretty good. So our treatment plan is going to be to expand his posteriors. I want to intrude the posterior teeth to ideally allow for some auto rotation of the mandible to close down to help with closing down our open bite. Uh, I want to extrude his anterior teeth, and these are tough movements. So we may need some TADs, as we warned him, to help do that. We also might need some anterior elastics to help pull those teeth together. Well, let's look at our ClinCheck to see how we're going to set that up. The first thing that we're going to notice here, interestingly, is that there's some IPR. And let me just jump down here to my instructions. I said, let's expand the upper arc a millimeter and a half beyond ideal on both sides to overtreat the cross bites. And then I listed out my uh, overcorrections, upper arch, lower arch. Let's see what's happening with our, our movement here. So we're getting some significant expansion in the posteriors. We see what looks like kind of a, a surgical jump, and that's because as those posterior teeth are intruding, uh, we're literally creating an open bite everywhere that now the mandible can close down. Well, let's get back to mentioning a little bit about the uh, IPR here. Um, I didn't ask for it. It showed up. 
And the reason it showed up is that in my treatment preferences, I ask to have uh, the opposite arch have IPR if there is a two-size discrepancy. And I've learned over the years we see many more, I shouldn't say we see, there are many more two-size discrepancies than we do see clinically. And by asking to have uh, it taken care of with IPR, that is one way of pointing it out. And now, thankfully, we now have another tool with uh, ClinCheck Pro to point it out. Literally, if we click on the toolbar, we automatically have a Bolton analysis. And sure enough, it shows that we have a mandibular excess in the anterior of a millimeter, uh, nearly a millimeter and a half. Well, why is that important? Well, our, our challenge in, in Invisalign, as we know, is we oftentimes actually end up with a posterior open bite at the end of treatment. And that actually is due not primarily to the plastic of the aligners, as we almost automatically would assume, but it's actually primarily due to excessive anterior guidance. Excessive anterior guidance comes apart in three arenas. One's the Bolton two-size discrepancy. So we want to eliminate that uh, through our setup and IPR. The other one is lack of labial crown torque. Uh, that's one of the biggest things that we see is a lack of, of crown torque when, when we set up the case. And so we made very careful attention, as we can see, to when we're extruding these upper incisors that we are adding labial crown torque at the same time. And then the second um, and our last area, I should say, of excessive anterior uh, guidance comes about by having too deep of an overbite. So as a rule, we're going to treat to a minimal overbite. One other quick tip I'm going to mention is when you're looking at your case and deciding do you like your setup or not, I, I recommend hiding the attachments when you're doing that. Because if you have a lot of um, beveled attachments, as I do, your eye is drawn to that surface, and it gives the appearance that the teeth may have more labial crown torque than they actually do. So it's, it's, it's kind of a good thought to, to look at that. Another thing that I also suggest is against a gray background, put that in your ClinCheck, to carefully look at torque. Uh, oftentimes the technicians are a little um, lackadaisical in adjusting the second molars. Here you can see initially the lingual cusp is hanging down. We absolutely want to make sure it's up out of the way when we're uh, finished with treatment. I do like the way the techs did over expand the posteriors as I asked for. So overall, uh, a good looking ClinCheck. All right, so let's see what we have happening with it. Here we are, just five months into treatment, and I'm happy to see how his bite is starting to close down, as well as the fact that we're starting to see some good expansion. This actually was my first case with SmartTrack. So let's track our progress here. Initially, middle picture, lower picture is seven months into treatment, and I'm thinking, we're probably not going to need anterior verticals to close his uh, bite. And we're now starting to see a posterior open bite. And we have to say, well, where is that coming from? Well, if you think about it, as we're extruding those upper incisors, they want to upright as we're pulling them down. So we actually do have, even though we have a minimal overbite, we do have some excessive anterior guidance due to the lack of torque that's currently shown in those upper incisors. Now, at 18 months, we're looking pretty good as far as our expansion goes. Good change in the buccal corridors. So we have to say we've got very good control both in the vertical and transverse directions with SmartTrack. Now, we have a decision to make at aligner 18. 
Recall there are 22 aligners in his entire treatment, including the last three stages of overcorrection. So we look at Tyler and we see, in fact, that we still do have a posterior open bite. Do we expect that to close in the last four aligners or should we stop and do a case refinement? Well, his aligners are fitting fine. So there's no real reason to do a refinement from that respect because they look great in the mouth. The incisors are lagging in their torque change. The ClinCheck had plenty of torque. So if we have a little faith in that the torque ultimately will catch up and work out, we can probably hold off doing a refinement. So let's critically look at that. Here is his ClinCheck at stage 18. Here are his teeth at stage 18. So we can see we're quite a bit behind in the expressed torque, which makes sense because we're tipping him lingually as we extrude him uh, and, and we're fighting the labial torque that we want to ultimately end up with. So we went ahead and did uh, decide to order Viveras at stage 20. Here he is at Vivera delivery. So this is, is four aligners later we still have that posterior open bite. It's less because the torque has started to improve a little bit. The lag has caught up. And, and that's a point to, to stress, aligner lag. You put the aligner in the mouth, on the teeth it looks great, but SmartTrack is so flexible, it is flexing as it fits the teeth that have less torque than what the aligner thinks they should have. And so we have to be patient toward the end of treatment now with SmartTrack and maybe even slow down our changes a little bit towards the end in order to uh, have that leg caught up. And because the aligner looks like it's fitting great in the mouth, we can't really detect this kind of aligner leg uh, unless, unless we do something like this, which I do now, is I pull up the ClinCheck as we're getting near the end of treatment to really look at any signs of lag from a torque or an overbite standpoint. So at this point, our synopsis for, for Tyler is we finished him in just 11 months. There were 22 aligners. We did not need elastics or TADs. We went with Vivera's made from the ClinCheck. So critically, our torque is overtreated in that. And let's look at him now after six months of his Vivera wear. And the good news with the Vivera is particularly because they're so much stiffer, we've got our torque expression and we close down the posterior open bite. And let's look at that here clinically to, to examine what's going on. You can see now our torque is finally caught up. So we do want to really be aware of lag in the aligners with respect to torque and also in deep bite cases as we'll look at next um, with overbite correction. My protocol just quickly for Vivera retainers is normally we'll pop them in for two weeks full time uh, when we um, take the attachments off. If we have lag that we want to catch up, we'll have them wear them full time for a month or two if there is lag. But hopefully now that I'm more aware of lag in my own practice, uh, we don't see it as much because we are slowing down our aligners a little bit towards the end of treatment if we see that lag. And then typically 12 hours a day for six months and then bedtime wear for the next. So roughly this first year will take us through the first set of um, retainers and then typically we can cut down to every other night at year one, we give them a second set, and then ultimately we'll sell them their last two sets to continue on for long-term retention. Let's look at the opposite spectrum now, end of the spectrum, and let's look at a deep bite case, how that aligner lag looks to be. So let's look at Ronan, who is a slight class two, uh, mild spacing, um, 
uh, in, in one arch deep bite. And if we look at him profile-wise, we can see he has kind of a class two profile, uh, even though uh, his molars are, are pretty good solid class one. And when we look at his ceph, we can see the, the deep bite. So our treatment plan is we're going to re intrude and retract those upper anteriors, expand his arches, overtreat the overbite, overcorrect the in and outs and those rotations that exist. And we might need some class two elastics to help um, with the uh, uh, profile and as we retract. So let's look at his clincheck to see how we're going to overtreat a deep bite. So we can see here again, particularly against the uh, the uh, darker background, we can really appreciate uh, the deepness uh, of that overbite. And so we're going to describe to the text, set that overbite to 0 0.5 millimeters at the ones, uh, and then I listed out again my individual overcorrections. So by describing where we want the overbite set, that happens from the very first aligner through the normal staging. That's going to be over-treated right from the very beginning. The only thing that's happening at the very end is either going to be the overcorrections or if there are some uh, virtual C-chains as there are in this case since they had a diastomy to begin with. But torque and overbite are going to be completely over-treated through the uh, normal stages. And you can see we have good, uh, very good labial crown torque in those upper incisors. So here is Ronan then at the end of his 24th uh, aligner. And we actually, I think, got a pretty good end result for him. Definitely reduced his overbite compared to Clincheck. This is immediately uh, after the last two weeks of his last aligner. And you can see a little bit deeper bite, a little less torque clinically than the ClinCheck. That's our aligner lag. Our overcorrections worked out pretty well. You can see how we've rotated these teeth in a little bit. They were rotated out um, to begin with. Got a good smile change. Again, this is just a 12-month treatment. His uh, class two wear started about halfway through treatment, through the end of treatment. Vivera is again made from the ClinCheck, so the overbite is totally uh, overtreated. Let's look at, at his uh, progression. So here is Ronan nine months later. Um, the overbite is nicely uh, corrected and, and remains that way. 21 months later, he's in his second set of retainers, and again, a very, very stable end result because our retainer is made off of the ClinCheck. So, uh, the smart force, smart force features that are important, I think, are having optimized attachments, and that's been a huge jump forward in the last couple years uh, in the development of the software. and beveled attachments. Uh, as I said earlier, I have no, um, no use for those brick attachments. And I do want to just run through real quickly what I look for in my attachments on my cases and what my preferences are as well. Uh, the optimized attachments, as, as you know, come on totally automatically, totally automatically based on some software uh, that's been written to uh, put them on when certain movements are detected. There are really today only two kinds of attachments. The computer applied attachments, i.e. optimized, or the human being attachments that either I put on myself or the tech puts on for me if he thinks I need them. And the, the genesis behind the optimized attachments is, as John Morton calls, uh, this, their world's smartest patient, is the ability now to detect the forces that are transmitted to each and every tooth when it's applied through the aligner. That's where they've come up with the design for the software for the attachments. If we have a human being applied attachment, 
there can be issues. And so if we look at the bicuspid attachments in this case, we can see there's a bit of an undercut that absolutely can get you into trouble because if the aligner doesn't fit perfectly, it's going to come up, hit this surface, knock the tooth lingually, and the tooth's going to intrude. Hello, mid-course correction or refinement. So if you see this at all when you're looking at your ClinCheck, you got to get rid of them. And you can ask the tech to remove them for you, or now with ClinCheck Pro, the 3D controls, we can manipulate the attachments ourselves. But it's critical that we have a flush bevel on that attachment. We don't want to see that ledge at all because that allows for a little bit of misfit of the aligners without it pushing the tooth in literally the opposite direction that you intend. Okay, so that part of, the, of our discussion is how I want to, to get to the finish line. If we get off course a little bit on our race, can we get back on track and still finish on time? So just a little bit of a, a, a word picture here. If we get off course, um, this is a, a, a fun picture here. Um, I like to play golf a little bit. And so here's the green, there's the fairway. Why am I standing here? Um, our case got off track a little bit. Uh, these cacti, these nice pretty little cactus, if you don't know what they're called, they're called choya or jumping cactus. No, they don't jump on you, but they are very likely to stick on you if you get near them. So you do want to give them a little bit of a wide berth if you find yourself by choya cactus. Unfortunately, this gentleman didn't get that memo. I'm not sure if alcohol was involved or not, um, but I just love the look on the paramedics. It did take them a couple hours to figure out how to pry him off of this guy, and then he still had to go to the ER. So um, I do recommend you give Choya Cactus a bit of a wide berth. So let's talk about teeth that um, are not tracking and how we get them back on track. Before I do that, though, I want to show a case where what might look like a tracking problem is not really a tracking problem. And if we look at this young man, 13 and a half year old with a very deep bite, we're going to intrude uh, his incisors obviously to correct his deep bite, but we'll notice that his upper centrals are quite a bit more extruded than his laterals are. And that can have a bearing on uh, how the teeth move and, and how the aligners fit, most importantly, during the course of treatment. So let me just kind of explain that. So if we look, again, we can really appreciate the deepness, the severity of his overbite. But if we look for a minute just at the upper arch, you can see that the centrals are hanging down quite a bit more than the laterals. So they're going to have more intrusion. So what can sometimes happen is this. Let's just say, as you can see, as we're intruding, everything is, in fact, intruding. So ultimately, the laterals are going to be intruded. But let's just say for a minute, at stage 21, the teeth are here. This is what the aligners think they should be at. But maybe the teeth are still back here. That is, the centrals haven't intruded as much as the aligners are expecting. What is that going to look like in the mouth? Well, as we're under our treatments underway, let's take a close look at that. So the laterals are really okay. You can see we're starting to see a little gap here, and you might think, oh, my gosh, those darn laterals are not tracking like we'd like them to. It's really that the centrals aren't. So as the centrals continue on up, uh, this will catch up. And again, by having a nice beveled attachment here, we've got a long plane that the attachment is still fitting okay on the aligner. It's not a problem. So even if it's twice this gap, as long as ultimately those laterals are going to be intruded, you can sit back and hopefully expect that to catch up. 
And in fact, it certainly did here in Garrison's case. Here he is at the end of his treatment, um, got a great smile change, and uh, comparing it to Klinchek, again, still a little bit of lag, but the centrals did in fact catch up to the laterals. And our overcorrections, looking at the uh, uh, rotations and the, the in and outs. Okay, so sometimes we have now a problem at the end of treatment. Um, if a tooth comes off track, how can we get it back on track? So here's an example where we have a patient that had a narrow arch form. Uh, we expanded him pretty well. We had some severe rotations uh, in those laterals to begin with. And unfortunately, the right lateral relapsed a little bit. It spun out of the retainer. At this point, the patient's in his Vivera retainers, and it, it just slipped out. So do we go back and um, have him wear his last few aligners, or can we maybe more efficiently grab onto that tooth and bring it back down? And so uh, after talking it over with the patient, we decided to go with a button and an elastic to pull that tooth right back down into its parking spot. You can see here the uh, elastic going over the uh, uh, cutout in between the centrals. And then we're certainly going to bond that bad boy into place with a permanent retainer now that we've got him back where he belongs. So that's kind of a post-treatment fix of a problem to get it back on track. Now let's look at a mid-treatment problem where we have uh, a challenging case that we want to keep moving right along. And so let's look at uh, Camille, who is a 15-year-old female, a class one, narrow arch form. Our challenge is we have some maxillary, maxillary lateral incisors that are locked in crossbite. So if we look at her case, we can see our challenge. We've got some very small teeth, number one, so there's not a lot of surface area to grab onto. They're locked in crossbite with the lower um, incisor and cuspid, and they're rotated initially about 90 degrees. So you can clearly ask yourself, what could possibly go wrong with this treatment? And sure enough, as we're um, just a few months into treatment, uh, we do see that um, uh, the, the laterals aren't tracking. So let's get them back on track. And so as we did with the prior patient, we're going to add a couple composite buttons. In this view, it's hard to see, but we have a, a four-unit C-chain, and you can see it's stretched across these front teeth. And here's the, the strong point I want to make. Look at how perfectly all of the other teeth fit. We only have these two troublemakers that are completely off track. So we need to make a decision. Is it going to be the most efficient and most reasonable treatment to stop, do a new scan or impression for a basically a mid-course correction to get these two teeth back on track and, and hope that they'll track differently than they did the first time around? Or might it not be more efficient to literally let's grab onto these guys and pull them right back where they need to be? Camille is still changing her aligners every two weeks. We are not stopping treatment. So the treatment is continuing on. We're just adding some extra muscle to get these two troublemakers back on track. And so we, in fact, did get the rotations taken care of. Now the other part of the problem is they went up over Mount Everest and, and never came back down. So to deal with that, we need some vertical elastics. And two ways of doing that, one is what we call the bootstrap elastic, which is just a little elastic that goes over the occlusal surface of the aligner. To be honest, what we're doing today at bedtime wear is we're adding a button on the lower tooth so that the patient can also wear 
interarch elastics in bedtime, which gives us even a stronger pull. But for during the day, we're going to be going with these uh, bootstrap elastics. And looking at the occlusal view, you can either cut a notch in the uh, a liner uh, to hook the rubber band to, or also just put a button on lingual surface for the patient to hook her rubber bands to. So now the laterals have come down, and we are absolutely going to trap those guys in place with a bonded retainer. Lower arch completed earlier. The case completed just in 14 months, and, and probably that was too fast back before Smart Track. Uh, but the point being is it did all work out with a little bit of help, and we did complete the case in 14 months and saved ourselves a mid-course correction or a refinement in, in, in the process. To make those buttons, we like to use the mini-mold technique, which is a little double-sided button that uh, is made, and then you can grind it down just as small as, as you need to, so it's relatively aesthetic. They're, they're really not much bigger than an attachment when it's ground down. This is something that you can actually delegate to your staff because it is totally reversible procedure. So we will typically, um, if we see a tooth that's not tracking, I'll typically tell my patient, say, Molly, that upper left seven is not tracking, please do a, a button and an elastic, and they, and they can do that. We will use Floatane for our composite for that, any unfilled composite. You want something unfilled so it easily goes into the uh, undercuts of that button former. Here's an example where we have um, a bicuspid that is in buckle crossbite to begin with. The aligners are in place. This patient is early into her treatment. If we look at the fit of the aligners, it doesn't look too bad. I mean, there's a little gap there. If we look at the occlusal view, also, it's really hard to really see. You can maybe see a little bit of a void here, but it's when you take the aligner out that you see that this bicuspid is much more rotated than what the aligner thinks it should be. So here we are, early in treatment. Our decision is, do we back up and have the patient go back three or four or five aligners to the point where that tooth is? and then move forward again? Are we gonna expect a different result? So maybe a better option would be to add some extra muscle. And so we can put on some um, buckle buttons and they can be very cosmetic except for the green chain for the photograph here uh, and also put some on the lingual. So we have a very good set of force vectors here to spin that tooth. And again, the patient is still changing her aligners every two weeks. We're just cutting out um, room for those hooks. And when we have a, an active force, such as a C-chain or an elastic, we typically will see our patients a little more frequently. We'll see them once a month to monitor the tracking and also to keep fresh uh, change of chains applied uh, to make sure that uh, we are, in fact, moving forward. Here's another example where we have uh, an adult patient. Uh, she was in her mid-50s. Uh, she had bicuspids out as a child when she did uh, have ortho. And you can see we've got a very collapsed arch and some severely uh, rotated cuspids. And so we, we warned uh, her right away that these teeth may be difficult uh, to, to move. And sure enough, they, they quit tracking, particularly this left cuspid. She was not interested in anything that would show on the uh, facial side, so we put on some lingual hooks with an orthodontic C-chain. And again, she's still changing her aligners. 
uh, and you can see we just cut out the aligners to fit uh, fit underneath. And after eight weeks now, the rotations have caught up, so now we're down to a single uh, unit chain to to finish the correction. And so we got to where we needed to go in a couple months to get back on on track. And the reason this works is that even though the lateral is a smaller tooth, it's being held in place by the well-fitting aligner where the poorly fitting tooth here with this big void pops right back into its parking spot. And then certainly once we're caught up, we know we're going to probably use a permanent retainer cuspid to cuspid to hold that spot. Another example of, of fixing a problem uh, with a, a tooth in a tipped direction. If we look at Melissa initially, we've got an incisor that's tipped mesially. She also has a crossbite of her lateral there. Looking at her pan, you can see those root tips are pretty close together. The end of treatment, we're not there. That tooth is still tipped. And so again, we probably should have caught that earlier, to be honest, and, and dealt with it. But now we're at the end of treatment. What is our most efficient solution to get it back on track? Also notice, too, there is a, a posterior open bite on, on both sides, and that's due to some excessive anterior guidance. This crossbite correction hasn't quite fully expressed. You can see that lower cuspid is out there a little bit. There's our excessive anterior guidance, creating that posterior open bite. Didn't move the root very much at all on that central. So one option is some lingual brackets. And, and not really lingual. These are our labial brackets. They make a great lingual bracket if you're not into lingual appliances. Uh, they're beveled. They're very small. And so here's a little um, 1622 nighttie segment. You'll notice we also trimmed the posterior away to allow for some settling of those posteriors. So now after two months, we've got uh, the incisor almost uprighted. You can see it's moving over on the pan. You can see how I angled my brackets to create a, a gable bend. Brackets are removed one month later. We've got the roots as they should be. And we went with a bonded retainer uh, uh, to take care of the problem and notice also too how the posterior open bite has closed down in those uh, uh, 8 to 10 weeks. Let's see why we had a problem. If we have an issue it's sometimes nice to go back and, and, and learn what went wrong in, in the process. And so let's, let's look at that central. And we can see when we look against the gray background, yeah, that tooth is really quite tipped. Well, at the end, it straightened out pretty good, but a problem. It's not overcorrected, and there's also not an attachment on that tooth. Absolutely, to do this case again, I would have asked to um, distal crown tip that upper right one 10 degrees. If I would have done that, if an, uh, I would assume an optimized attachment would have gone on, or certainly I would have added a um, beveled attachment to make sure I had the control for the tooth to work out. And so in this case, I absolutely hit that approve button when I shouldn't have, because I didn't have the control or the overcorrection of that right central that I should have had. Let's look at yet another case here. Um, where we want to control some things along the way. Let's look at Dylan, who is an interesting case, uh, very interesting case. Uh, severe uh, growing issues, class three, steep mandibular plane, uh, crowded. And our um, treatment plan originally, based on his, his issues, was uh, we're going to need some extraction. So let's extract his bicuspids. Let's guide the eruption for a while with an occlusal guide. Do plan on some chin cup and ultimately appliances once all the teeth are erupted. And we'll warn him about surgery. Well, 
one of those cases. The teeth came out, and the dentist said, oh, let's just see how the teeth come in without braces. And so he shows up three years later. Uh, we never saw him after the teeth came out. Not a very ideal situation. So now we see this guy with some really, really tipped teeth, uh, so much for driftodontics. And he's at an age now where certainly um, we're going to uh, potentially plan on surgery, and he certainly is not interested in braces anymore. So our, our plan is going to be to decompensate the teeth, coordinate his arches, class three elastics, and a chin cup um, to try and avoid surgery, but we warned him probably we're going to need a double jaw surgery. So let's just quickly look at his ClinCheck here. And we can see how lingually tipped uh, those lower uh, cuspids are. And so we asked for a virtual gable bend. We also asked to labial crown torque those lower incisors because we want to decompensate things for probably surgery. Quite a number of aligners here, 43, because you can see looking at how much we're trying to move that root that is a lot of root tipping. Well, not a big surprise that as we're starting our treatment, the roots um, are misbehaving. They're not tracking, and we can certainly see a gap in the aligners. So let's go ahead and put some root helpers on right when we see it. And after four months of the root helpers, we now have those roots caught back up. We've got parallel roots. And we're actually at a point right now, he's in the middle of his treatment, we may not need surgery. We're really going to stay on top of him to continue with the rubber bands and the um, uh, good wear, which he is doing, of the aligners and, and see where this works out. But we got on the root helpers right away to get those roots where they need to be. One other clin check to show here. When we have an extraction case, that's typically when we're going to need some issues. Uh, here we have a young man that's um, uh, basically class one, bimax protrusive, very full lips, absolutely was never going to wear um, a headgear, and not the best hygiene in the world. And so we made the decision, let's go ahead and uh, extract teeth uh, based on his uh, profile. And so we're going to extract upper and lower second bicuspids, level his arches, retract the anterior teeth, class twos as needed for anchorage. So our ClinCheck is important to address the torque in those incisors. Um, they're flared to begin with, certainly, but we want to make sure that they don't become too upright during our treatment. And so in my relatively lengthy notes here, um, I, I said virtual gable bends, make sure that we um, keep the roots upright as we uh, close them, set the overbite to a millimeter. And then I also said keep all incisors slightly proclined to prevent excessive uprighting during retraction. And then finally, I looked at my overcorrections. And we can see as the ClinCheck moves, we've got gable bends for the extractions, and we still have plenty of extra labial crown torque in those um, incisors. Well, we still see some tipping. This is a, a case um, prior to SmartTrack um, plastic, and, and sure enough, we can't live with this. So again, the question is, do we stop the presses? do a mid-course correction, or uh, maybe we can plan on some future root helpers. And that's what we did. Uh, we've got some root helpers pretty angled here. Here is, a, again, a 1622 tie. We need to adjust uh, the upper cuspid a little bit at this point. So very easy to add some vertical elastics to do that. Again, all of the other teeth other than a couple of these uh, bicuspids and cuspids are fitting great. So he's progressing through his aligners as we're 
detailing the posterior occlusion. Still need a little more root parallelism in the upper. The lower has come along uh, very nicely. Now we have the roots parallel at liner 38. Good retraction without over-retracting his um, incisors. And we completed his treatment uh, in a very expedient fashion without having to do a refinement or a mid-course correction because we got the teeth back on track. Just a 20-month treatment time. So again, we can be very efficient with our uh, Invisalign cases, even with the complicated cases, as long as we keep the teeth tracking. And comparing it to the ClinCheck, pretty good as far as the overcorrections go. And as you would guess, the teeth are a little more upright um, just because they were retracted so much. Okay, just a couple more points to talk about here before we wrap uh, this up this morning. Um, a couple other issues to look at that you can, can save a case with, I would say, here. Uh, what we may need to do um, as we get towards the end of treatment. And your dimple plier can be your friend. Uh, it can, can help get things back on track for you. If we look at this case as we're getting near the end of treatment, we have actually two teeth that are not tracking. So our first um, uh, line of defense is some crimps. My goal is to have the aligner reattached uh, to the tooth uh, at the attachment point so we can put some dimples in with the uh, dimple plier. Well, as it turned out, one tooth came down, one didn't, and we still, need to pull it, still needed to pull it down with a, a, a button and elastic. Okay, if we're pulling on a tooth and it's not moving, maybe there's a hidden interference. And if you'll notice here, the tooth is tipped measly a little bit. There's a gap here, there's none here. Now, absolutely, when I took the aligner out, wanted to make sure there's not a tight contact between their teeth, and there's not. But what's going on is the tooth is hitting the embrasure of the aligner. The aligner is being the interference. In other words, um, this ridge is in the way. And the best way to show that is in this picture right here, the tooth was tipped hitting that ridge. Think of it as a boat that's come up on a sandbar and it's beached. It's stuck. Well, let's dredge the sandbar. And so we can just take um, a football burr and go ahead and do that. So you're going to cut through a couple aligners, but you're going to give that tooth space to move. So I wish I would have done that um, with that patient. Um, and this is, is certainly a different patient now that we know how to do that for. If the teeth are extremely tipped to begin with, here's an example where the, the edges are so divergent that every time the uh, patient tried to take his aligner out, it would rip. Well, we don't need this part of the aligner anyway because uh, all we're trying to do is tip that tooth lingually. And so we just trimmed that away and it actually took us through the first 18 aligners. Now these teeth are parallel enough we don't need to uh, trim it anymore. So sometimes right at the beginning, you may need to do some things to ensure that the aligners fit and the teeth keep tracking. Couple more tips. Hopefully I'm pounding into your head by now, do the overcorrections and the overtreatments. It's really gonna avoid a lot of case refinements for you. If the ClinCheck looks too good to be true, dot, dot, dot. You can certainly finish that uh, statement. Um, just because the computer shows it doesn't mean you can believe it. So, so use what you know to be true um, based on sound principles of tooth movement mechanics. And definitely pay attention to all the details in that ClinCheck button before you do hit that Approve button. Because I can promise you a lot of times it's all about what you put into that computer at the beginning 
is going to be just exactly what you're going to get out at the end. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kahneman. Uh, great presentation. I want to cover one quick thing that's very important. In order to receive your CE certificate for this program, currently on the screen right now, there's a link to take a quick survey. Once you complete your survey, you'll have immediate access to your CE certificate, so please go there after the completion of the program. One week from today, the entire program will be archived at the Education tab on your Invisalign doctor site. I want to thank Dr. Kahneman again for a great presentation. For all of you taking time out on your Friday to join us, we look forward to seeing you on another Ask the Expert webinar. Thanks very much. Thank you. And thank you very much, Dr. Kahneman, and thank you, David, for presenting today's material. Ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude our session today. Uh, as David had mentioned, please do take a moment to fill out the survey. It is very important to us, and we do uh, respond to your feedback. Uh, if you haven't had your question addressed, please do feel free to submit them into the Q&A tool, and we will follow up post-event uh, with any text Q&A. Thank you very much once again for attending today's presentation. This does conclude our session. We now disconnect.